Good morning and welcome and welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. So excited to be finishing up 2022 with a bang. Everybody's winding down. I think everybody's delaying meetings and saying we'll take care of that next year. But Carrie Klein and I wanted to do one final podcast before the end of the year and wrap up what happened in 22 and talk about what's going to happen in 23. So welcome back, Carrie. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's great to have you here. I We got so much fun. to talk about. So much happened in 22, so many highs. If we want to, do you want to start like back in the spring and what happened in the summer? And maybe you can give us some highlights from, from how the teams ended last year. Well, I think having both of those 18s win was really exciting, you know, and I mean, they were playing at the exact same times and um, I could see I was running back and forth and that was just like, and then I kind of got the feel that the 18 LA team had won because I knew they won the first game. We crushed the 18 West side team. I was coaching. We couldn't see the court, but we were like, on end with each other so I'm looking at the score and I'm realizing oh my gosh that they're done that means they won and now we started like kind of falling behind lost our second game and it was like our third game we were down and I was just like oh my gosh this is going to be such a bummer because all these 24 girls 26 girls whatever it was have worked so hard and we're both in the finals. We're both undefeated in this tournament. And oh my gosh. So we pulled, then the 18 West side team pulled out, but I, we were down in that third game and we, we changed gears. So I think it was just like, they both needed to win in my heart. Like yeah. they had both worked so hard, but it was such a fun year with those 18s. Um, and then good push with the rest of the teams at JOs. I think there was so much competition at JOs this year from the 17s through the 13s. I think everybody was really like surprised at like whatever division they were in, whether they were playing Patriot, whether they were playing all these new divisions, American, we just saw so much talent out there. Mm -hmm. I think it was a, like a very big wake up call for girls this summer of, like the recruiters are out, but man, there are so many um, great players across the country. Yeah, what we're really seeing, right, is a huge surge in volleyball participation. What do you attribute that to? The statistics are showing girls are playing more volleyball. Soccer's number two, I think, at track and field. But I think volleyball is having, having the biggest push and increase. What do you attribute that to? I don't know, but it's even at the park level, you know, our good friend, Eric Ediberry, we're yeah. both friends with him. They've gotten 400% more participation at the LA city park at every level. I don't know. Maybe we're finally getting it on TV, which is amazing. Um, this college volleyball game, they really know how to film it. Um, great commentators who are like, I mean, I'm turning on different games during, um, this December college, you know, NC2A run here. And I mean, there's all kinds of announcers that are having so much fun and we're learning so much. I mean, it's the first time where we saw it kind of last year where the Marymount team was on TV and like, then that was on YouTube and little girls within Sunshine were watching those games over and over. 
And I don't think we have ever had, I mean, you had Elia Rubin, who everybody wants to know, you know, why was she so good? She would see games, she would have games on tape. She would save them on huddle and she would watch and watch and watch. She would rewatch games, all the high school games. So you saw a rare girl watching versus, you know, if you came to my house at any point, Chase and Perry are watching football. They're watching basketball. They're watching baseball. Boys have always watched their sport. So I don't know, but people are realizing that like the kids need to be off their computer, off the internet, off Instagram, put the phones down and the girls, I don't know. It's just a very fun sport for girls. Yeah, I think I think success leaves clues and the more you can watch it. And that's what I was telling our little young nine and 10 year olds, like watch as much of that as you can to see those girls perform at that level. It, to me, it's like, oh, that's an astronaut who's going to the moon. I'm never going to be there. But when you start watching it at this level and you start taking in and like you said, watching now your own tape, even at the at the little 12, 13, 14 level and seeing, you know, oh, Elliot is doing this or Carrie Keefe is doing this or, you know, uh, Grace Rowling is playing at this level, which, you know, who would have thunk at, you know, five years ago that she would be, you know, playing in the final four. It's amazing. I mean, that clip that went, the latest clip that made the news of that girl running into the bleachers and getting that ball back. I just think like even that turn and run idea that like, hey, somebody just shanked a ball, but what if I turn and ran for it? And you see that move. We've seen a couple of clips of like amazing plays of that. I would love to see that. Like I probably have like 10 girls in my history that are turning and running. That's not fake. That's like real pursuit of the ball. Um, just that move over my whole coaching career, there's 10, 12 girls that could really do that. I mean, I saw we were coaching that last 18th tournament, which was not last weekend, but the weekend before. And I saw Tori making balls. And I know her and Drew on my team were so jacked up watching so much volleyball <laughs> that there were even moves that she hadn't done in practice and that Drew hadn't really done in practice, but they were doing. And I think they had like watched that. I could remember we took a bunch of Chase's friends skiing, but the two weeks before they watched all these snowboard videos, I almost was unsafe because they were so thinking they could do these moves um, on their snowboard. And if some, of course, someone got hurt right away and we're like, we cannot have them watching, but it was really good. Good watching, like just the pursuit moves of like, I've seen people get that ball up. Right. So now let me go try. Yeah, I, I was visioning what Olivia and Tori must be thinking watching Pitt play in the finals, you know, final four. It's like, oh, that's going to be part of what I'm going to be doing next year. And for every girl that's in the club, whether you're an eight year old or an 18 year old, like having that mindset of what can I do to get better to get you know, and again, very few are going to make it to that level, but whatever your best is not to be the best, but to do your best. And to your point, everybody has control over whether they pursue a ball or not, you know, whether you get it up as a right. whole thing, but anticipating that if it's shanked, you know, the number of times you see a ball get shanked and everybody stands and looks at each other and you think, just at least go for it because that momentum changes 
the next play and the next play and the next play, right? Right, right. I think it's it's huge. Um, and you know, how many times do you have to see it done? Right. How many times do you have to try it yourself in practice? And then before, you know, something good happens with it. Elia pursued a ball in that in one of those last games and she ran into the desk and she perfectly set her setter. And I called her and I'm like, oh yeah, like, did you know to set Cami Minor? Of course we know Cami Minor can swing on balls. But she goes, No, I was just trying to save it. <laughs> the fact that she swung and hit it was a bonus. <laughs> Well, since we're talking about the final four, let's skip ahead to that. I know you got a chance to go and watch one of your former players play. Talk about the excitement of being there and and what was that experience like being in Omaha and seeing those top athletes play? Well, we had really good seats. We, like, um, I saw Grace you on Frawling, TV. <laughs> Grace Frawling called me and said, I've got four seats. I want you to come. And we're like, we've never done this. We're going to do it. Well, we had also Zoe Fleck on Texas and you know she's always a marvel to watch her focus oh my god and so it was so fun I I mean there was two games Perry like Perry got tired he's like enough volleyball and I was I was stayed there and the San Diego people had cleared out and all these volleyball nerds came down (laughs) and we watched till 11 o'clock at night like, look at that serve received. He's going two man in row one. Like, Pitt's going two man serve received in row one. What in the world? Like, and we're just like all the little adjustments were so fun to watch. Oh, I was in heaven. So fun. <laughs> I was geeking out watching it too and turning on every game, and it was just so fun. I'm like, there, there's Carrie and Perry. They're in the crowd. And, uh, and then, yeah. but it was even more fun. Like once the volleyball nerds moved into those seats, and I was just <laughs> having the a ball. Yeah, they did um, a special. I don't know if you were there for that, but they did a special um, acknowledgement of some of the godmothers of volleyball. And my coach at William and Mary was one of the ones that was honored, Debbie Hill. So, so special to see these women whose shoulders we stood on, who are now being honored. And then one of her prodigies, Jen Petrie, who was my teammate at William and Mary, now taking USD all the way to the final four. So what an amazing, you know. Really cool. Very cool. And the other thing, I mean, you see it on TV, but to hear the Louisville fans go nuts for their coach. Mm. I mean, they love her. I mean, everybody does, but like the fans there, and I guess we're in Omaha, but like the biggest like cheering for anyone out there was her. Um, And this is a coach who obviously coached at Nebraska and has done so many amazing things, but that was pretty fun to see and hear the, the energy for her. Right. And I heard her interviewed and talking about her junior year. She knew it was the last time she'd ever set for Nebraska and her senior year, she became the libero. They lost as she was a setter and they brought in a better setter and she had to switch positions, which, you know, maybe a good tie in or you know transition for us to talk about getting into the club season and how everybody's now through high school and some people are going to play different roles. Some people are going to come on, come from a high school team where they played a certain role and now they're going to be asked to be a different, have a different position or a different role on, on the new teams. Can we talk a little bit about maybe wrapping up high school and moving into club? Yeah. I mean, even you look at just our two A teams teams that I've worked so closely with, 
and you look at where they came and what their high school experience was. And everyone's was so different. Even the girls that were on the same team, right? They had a different role. And now they're going into a different role. Um, you know, we had, um, we have a, a girl who is at a charter high school in Belmont, you know, and she, you know, she's now playing at a new speed, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. We just, everyone, um, has such a different role that here's one question your I get a lot. Could you, could you address, and, and I would love, I know parents would love to hear the answer to this is parents feel like, okay, my daughter's going to get recruited or wants to get recruited for let's make it up a right side position, but this team needs her to play middle. What does that mean? What what do you, what is your feedback to the parent and to the athlete about needing to play a different role for this season? Well, it's so funny because Katie Charles and I were talking about this. this. A specific girl was a middle in high school. Maybe he's playing right side now. And everybody has this concept of I'm not big enough to play middle in college. There's some sort of somebody doing a podcast or putting this out there that the middles are the biggest girls on the team. Well, they're maybe the biggest girls on the team in 14 and under, but in college, the right sides are gigantic. Okay. Um, The outsides are big and the middles have to be quick and go side to side. So I first want to put that out there that if you're the middle, isn't the biggest girl on the team, the middle has a fast arm can hit off of one foot really well. They want to see slide footwork. Um, and the right side, everybody thinks, well, I can't, I'm not the greatest passer, so I can't play outside. I'm not as big, so I, so I can't play middle. And they put themselves on this right side thing. And I, and I really think that college coaches are looking for something very specific on right side. But it is not somebody too small to play middle. And it is not somebody who can't pass. So they can't play outside. Does that make sense? Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I'm not answering your question, but I'm like, really, this is a topic that needs to be discussed. A right side is a college coach. You were looking for somebody who is like Oki, six, 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 seven, and a fantastic blocker. Who's just going to stop the best hitter on the other team can set a block, can time a block. Or they're looking to generate some really good offense from a lefty. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. Like a carry keep is a perfect example. Like everybody loves to have a different look. Where we're all using used to blocking right-handed players, um, and nobody's as good at blocking a lefty. Where do you set it up? How do you time it? So those are really the two things. Or I was just talking to a college coach. Or if you have maybe three middles who are all really good and you can only play two of them. So you play this other middle, um, like uh, a May Pertoski is a great example of that. Or somebody, you just have three really good middles. So now you want to use double quicks. You want to have almost like really fast offense, someone hitting off of one foot, really behind the setter, doing all those slide, a one foot slide a two feet behind the setter slide or a you know a full slide so you have that different look coming behind the setter so those are kind of your three 
reasons a college coach is looking for a right side. I don't know what that, that's more of a recruiting question. Yeah. But even more generally, like for, for the lower levels, right. I, I totally appreciate that because I, I feel like that's changed when we were playing they your middle was your biggest player and your, your right side was, you know, maybe left-handed, but now, you know, you watch the, the Olympics and the, the most, it feels like one of the most athletic and a lot of the offense is being run out of the right side, which was not the case before. And right? the right back too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 But now, and these girls are bigger, stronger, more athletic, like they're just right. The, the level is getting higher and higher. Um, but in general, like, let's just take a step back for lower levels. Let's just say she plays outside at her high school team, but for club, you need her to play libero, libero or, or DS. Like, what is the advice to the parent? Right. And it, that, okay, Mike, but my kid wants to be an outside hitter, but you have her playing this position. Like what, how should you handle that? Well, I, I really think there's different skill. I think a college coach comes in and can see what they're looking for. If they're looking for a passer, they see passing. If they're looking for an insane defender, that's what they're looking for. So they really have a specific niche you know even they're not looking for just an outside hitter per se they're looking for an outside hitter who can pass or they're looking for a outside hitter who possibly could play libero for them too so and I, and I think a, a lot of coaches really want to say they don't have someone pigeonholed you know they don't want to just have some girl can only play ds or only play outside so i do think you're growing as a player when you're, when you're, you know, get getting to play a different position. Um, passing is passing. So whether you're playing outside, whether you're playing libero, whether you're playing DS, if you're getting to serve, receive balls, that's huge for you. Um, you're going to love that. You're, they're going to love that. They're going to see that. Um, so I do think it stretches you as a player. Yeah. And there's competition at, at everything. I think if you're in a situation where you play all the time, that's wonderful. But if you're in a situation where now you've got to beat some people out, you know, I've talked to a few parents about this, like she's got to go in there. And I talked to a, a college. She's like, well, I don't like this team, a college player. I don't like the coaching staff. Well, why? Because they don't play me. Well, why don't they play you? <laughs> Let's dive deeper into that and, you know, why you're not playing, what skills you need to develop in order to play, um, all that. So, well, and I know you've talked about before, which uh, I loved, and I, I, the, the example that's coming for me for the Marymount season is is Vanessa and her coming in to serve. Like, find, figure out what your niche is. What is the one thing that you can do really well that can add value where we need you on the floor for that job? And if you can find that niche, then you will earn the playing time, right? Right, right. And, yeah, so I do think it is, it's, I mean, we have on the 18 LA team, you're looking at five amazing pin hitters. Okay. And probably four of them can play at once, but they all want to be outside hitters, six rotation, playing all the time, right? Um, maybe one of them is more of a right side specifically, but they all can play 
And I kind of keep saying, well, I was a right, I was a right here. I was a left here. Well, guess what? We don't know the exact fit of this team. And of course, I'd love to play you. We're probably good enough in a lot of matches for everyone to do everything. But when we really have to go win, then maybe someone's hitting better on the right than the left and the outside. So I just think you have to keep yourself really versatile. Obviously keep competing and obviously think like, okay, the starting lineup at the finals of the first tournament isn't necessarily the starting final lineup for the finals of the next tournament. You have no idea who gets hot, right? And who's looking good and who's getting stronger. Yeah. I don't know if I even answered any of your questions. No, but. no, that's, 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 <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's good. And I think, I mean, the message to the parents, right. Which is to give to the kids and continuing to continuing to work hard, continuing to find opportunities to break into the lineup that that's and, and keeping the lines of communication open to understand where you stand. I heard Danny Busmom uh, interviewed and she talked about, the transparency that they have on their team. She's like, I we very rarely have a closed door meeting. Every girl on the roster knows where she stands and they know within the team where they stand. Right. And so right. transparency is what builds trust. And at the more trust we have, the better we can get. Right. I know, but I feel like there are some parents out there and I don't know if it's kids too, but they don't really, they feel like those conversations of, Hey, this person's in front of you, this person's in front of you, and then this person, and then she can actually hit a little better than you, but you block better than her. Yeah. Like that kind of conversation, people take as harsh criticism. Yeah. Um, which is too bad. Right. Um, or like, like a devastating blow, like Carrie just told her she was the third middle. Well, well, and, and I can use you know, it. Kylie, you were the third middle. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, and I can use a good, a good example is college applications. So I just went through it with my middle son and all the friends were applying and the school puts all the, all the schools, all the kids that have gotten in from your high school and with your grades and your SAT score and your AC2 score. And here are the odds that you'll get into that school. Right. And the one mom was like, I, I'm appalled. This this counselor told us that we wouldn't get into that school. And my son, he's not that far off. Well, again, are you open to hearing the reality that there are another thousand kids that also want to get into that school that have better grades and better? So it's the same, you know, right? Like how honest can you be about the reality? I mean, the reality is, okay, he may not get in there. Okay, great. That's good feedback. So now I get to choose how I respond to it. Either I'm going to go work harder. I'm going to get more tools in my toolbox, or I'm going to say not fair. And I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. 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 And do you want to be on 18 LA? Right. We have two girls who were vying for the best player in the state of California. Now, do you want to be there? And do you want to battle? Or would you rather go someplace else and play? Right. 
you know, I'm hearing from all the girls that played with Tori this year and, and all those starters and Lexi and they, what they said was it was so fun to play against better competition and the game starts to slow down a bit because when you're not getting hit at 80 miles an hour, you're able to pass the ball a little bit better, but that comes with some discomfort, right? Of going up against that better competition and getting pummeled, not getting, not handling it all well, but hopefully it, it inoculates you a little bit about like leaning into the discomfort of it. Okay. I'm not the best player. Okay. I need to go for every ball, right? You learn something from that. Right. And here's the flip side. And I just had a conversation with a parent who was like, my daughter's too good for this team. She's by far the best player. She serves better. She's the only one who can overhand serve. She's the only one who can do this. And she's too good for this team. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting because I just coached a team where one player was so far and away above the team in a lot of ways. And I never heard her say that once, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it was like, well, what is the, the parents thing was, this team is not going to make my daughter better. Right. Now, did I hear that from Tori of like, this team is not going to make me better. Yeah. No, she had her own things that she was going to work on. She had her own um, struggles and her own taking more responsibility. She put something. And when you saw like that last game with 46 kills um, hitting the big, the tempo, whatever, she freaking got better. She got a lot better. But had her mom or her had that attitude of, I am way too good to be on this team, which she was. Nobody was going to push her, right? Nobody did. I mean, there was great players on the team, don't get me wrong. But in terms of, you know, nobody's too good to be on a team and nobody's too good to improve on a team. The, the flip side, of Kylie's experience of playing with Tori made her better. And that's what every parent seems to want for their kid. I want to be on this team where I'm the worst one. And by the way, when you pass next to like uh, Alexis Trapani and she takes half the court, your passing looks better. Yeah. You know, it really does. Cause she's, she's helping you out. She's communicating. She's not faking you out. And if you put your daughter passing next to Trapani, you look better. Yeah. And now what if you have to put next to somebody who's the same as you faking you out only wants to take this. That's, you know, so it is, it is tricky assessing how this team, I think you just think, what can I bring to this team? How can I make the other people around me better? Yep. Um, And where's my growth and what do I need? We said, we're going to do goal setting, Yeah, you know, and how do you create these goals? And I kind of say, Hey, ask me, then go ask Tuan and then go ask Ali, go ask Jeff Porter. He's in the practice too. get five different people's perspectives that are coaching you. And now you set up your thing, yeah. your game plan. No, I love that feedback. And for parents too, when, when they're in the situation, like, I think you, you grow in different ways, right? So when you're the leader, you're growing, you're growing a certain set of skills because 
your goal is to help bring everybody else up. When you're underneath, you're growing in a different way because you're getting modeled great behavior and great you know, results and how do I get better? So both of them are good. And I remember even being at Nike and being a young employee and them saying, you know, some at some points in Nike, you'll lead, you'll have people reporting into you. And other times you should be reporting into people that you can really grow from. And that's how we all get better for wherever. Again, the, the goal isn't to be the best, it's to be your best. So on any team, even if you're the best player, then great. What are what are the soft skills that you're growing? How are you leading? How are you encouraging? How are you teaching your your you know your teammates? Um, there's huge benefits to to being the best as well to be able to help everybody else get better. Right. Yeah, that's right. great. Um, and I, we do want to speak about goal setting. We're going to do a whole separate one on setting 23 goals. But let's talk about 22 and how do you how do you rate yourself? What do you what score do you give on on how did 22 go with with the goals that you set? I remember we talked about you had one really big goal for 22. Did you nail it? Do you remember what it was? I think I did. <laughs> I really think I did. Um, and it, it was good that you reminded me of it. My goal was to like, what, how did you put it? What? I can't even remember. Have more, have fun. more fun. Yeah. I had a, so much fun. And even when Perry was like, we're, we're not going to Omaha. I'm like, yes, we are. We're not saying no. Well, there's no reason. He goes, the tickets. I go, there is no reason we shouldn't go. And I got off the plane. I was like, and I, I kind of got a spark. And I said, I'm excited. He goes, are we going to have fun? I said, we're going to have fun this weekend. But we got to do so many fun. I mean, I got to see players get married um, and my kids' friends get married and just, I had a ball. I went to France when I shouldn't, no business being in France. I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing at this wedding in the South of France? I mean, I just really did. How about you? How was your yeah, goal? No, I, I, sorry. I have to, when I wrote the question yesterday to you, I thought I, I picture you on that Alpine slide in Switzerland or wherever you were, <laughs> which is like, that's, that's what life should be about, right? Is taking risks and moving forward and failing and having, but having fun. And that's the biggest one that I think we should focus on for 23. And we're going to talk about a lot is helping these kids, you know, we, we talked about it briefly before we jumped on about COVID and how it's impacted athletes. And one of the biggest feedbacks we're hearing is anxiety and overwhelm and depression, and I'm not having fun. And we got to make this whole process has got to be a lot more fun because that's that we should be enjoying the ride. Somebody said to me, well, you, that's so funny. You called it fun week instead of hell week. I go, <laughs> I looked at the mom and I said, we had so much fun that first week of Marymount, we really did. And like, we had parties every day at lunch. <laughs> we went to San Diego and I forced Lauren to get her hair wet. She's still mad at me, you know? Um, we jumped in the ocean. We went to my friend's house. I'm like, we, we created memories, right? The whole time. We danced on a table and we got kicked off at, a, at the Arizona tournament. Um, the most fun thing there is like, we dressed up like Calgary, like we brought it, like we're bringing the A game, but you asked me my new one yeah. and, and it is, I was on my walk today and I, it's gotta be better than this, but one of them okay. is I'm really getting into starting my day with a savory breakfast. Mm. I'm really trying to get into this like blood sugar spiking thing. And like our overall health, 
um, I'm like into this glucose goddess and how to eat to start your day. And her thing was you have this savory breakfast, eggs, vegetables, um, protein, sausage, um, chicken, anything like either um, veggie or high protein. Um, and you're not hungry for four hours. And I'm really, I get really excited about Triple Crown and all these travel tournaments that I'm going to. And it's like, what do I, what am I going to coach? How am I going to coach and make it through the morning? Like where I'm really focused and I'm on my A game and I'm not hungry because I'll be running from court to court and I won't eat, you know, and I, my eating is so secondary to the athletes eating. Like that's not really, but I, but this is my new thing. Like nuts, I'm going to bring nuts. How am I going to get protein? Everyone's going to have a bagel and cream cheese. And that's going to make me hungry in two hours or not give me like, it's going to give me a spike in my blood sugar. So, and I'm trying to get my girls not to have a big glass of orange juice. Let's have this, let's get some protein in. And they hear that from me, but I've got now cottage cheese with a bunch of nuts and a couple pieces of fruit in it. And um, so I'm trying to, do that for like long-term health and for energy and focus. I love that. So that's, we're going to do two, then we'll, we'll do a goal setting one. And then we're going to talk travel tournament, right? Like what is and you, fueling the properly for three-day tournament? Sometimes it ends up being four with travel and everything. How do you sustain and, and be on your A game the entire time when you're not sleeping in your own bed and you, you're dehydrated. And so, yeah, let's, let's get into all of that. I love that. I've been doing a lot of eggs and avocado in the morning has been my Ooh, good. Yeah, love avocado. And then you put some of that everything, but the bagel sprinkles on it. <laughs> it's like a meal. And I, you're right. You're not hungry for four hours. It's great. Four or five hours. Amazing. Okay, good. Well, have right. a great Christmas. Thank and, you. And uh, happy Hanukkah and everything. Happy, Merry, Merry, happy everything. And we're going to talk again in 23. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.